Welcome to the Everyday Ironman podcast, where we talk to real athletes just like you and me that are working to complete an incredible goal. My name is Mike Bosch. I'm excited to have with me multi-time Ironman, Carrie Cribs. Carrie, welcome to the show. Hi, glad to be here. Oh, I am super excited uh, to have you on the show. I uh, We have a lot of stuff to talk about, right? You recently finished the Ironman European Championships in Hamburg, Germany, right? And I definitely want to talk about that because you won your age group. I did. Right? And so we definitely, definitely want to talk about that. Um, and I know that um, we have some some new listeners and maybe this may be your first time hearing the show. So at the beginning of every podcast, when I have a guest on, I always like my guest to provide a little bit of a level set explanation of where they are in life, because we're all on different paths. We're all in different phases of our life and things like that. But just so that the listener can get a, you know, kind of an understanding of where you are. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, you don't have to give us your age. I mean, we can, we can find out within four years by looking you up on the Ironman tracker. That's the thing, right? But really interested in, uh, understanding what your time commitments are. So, uh, standard questions are, are you married? Do you have kids? Do you work full-time or go to school? And then do you consider yourself an athletic person? All right. Well, I will just go ahead and tell you that I'll be 68 next month. And I am an ER physician. I work at the Children's Hospital in town. I have been there since 1988. And I am still considered full-time, but I'm really cutting back a little bit. So I would say probably more like three quarters time. Okay. Uh, my husband and I have four grown children. Okay. Two of them live in town and I have five grandchildren that I like to spend a lot of time with. Nice. And what else did I need to tell you? Well, I think, I think before we move further than that, we're going to clarify that you live in Fort Worth, Texas. So when you refer to in town, because I do have an international audience, Carrie, I didn't know if you knew that, right? There may be somebody in Hamburg, Germany that watched you race in person that might hear this podcast. It's entirely possible. <laughs> um, so in Fort Worth, Texas. So the, the last component really was... Did you consider yourself like, obviously you're an Ironman and that's, that takes athleticism, but aside from your Ironman accolades, do you consider yourself of, of having been an athletic person? I went to college on a gymnastic scholarship and then I graduated from college and went to medical school and got married and had four children. I didn't do anything for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And then when the last one started driving, when she was 16, I looked around and said, wow, I have free time for the first time in a Mm -hmm. very long time. And I started running and lifting weights and uh, was working with a personal trainer who said, you need to do triathlon. And I said, no, I spent enough money on running shoes. I don't need to spend money on bikes. But I somehow caught the bug and signed up for an Ironman without having done even a sprint triathlon. Oh, wow. And yeah. So you just, here you I just, am. You just jumped into the deep water. <laughs> I did. Now, now, how long ago was that? How long ago was your introduction? When was your first Ironman? Eight years ago. Okay. So, so it's, been a, it's been a while. So you've been in this sport for a little bit of time now. Yes. Okay. So I want to, I want to pause there for just one second because I want to go back to one thing. Okay. You are an 
ER doctor. Yes. Currently at Cook's Children's Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Did you always want to be a doctor? Like you were a gymnast. You had said that you were a gymnast. You went to college. Like, did you go to college to become a doctor? Like, what was your plan? So I graduated from college. I mean, I graduated from high school in 1972. There weren't a lot of athletic uh, opportunities for girls back in the early 70s. -hmm. Uh, Title IX was passed the summer that I graduated from high school. And uh, so when I went to college, I started out as an art major. And then the gymnastics team there was a club team. So it was really just a collection of people that got together because they wanted to. Okay. And uh, after Title IX passed and the colleges had to start putting money into women's athletics, they developed a real team with real money and uniforms and a coach. And so I got on the gymnastics team mm-hmm. and changed my major to physical education. And I became a coach and a high school gymnastics teacher. Oh, cool. So you graduated, you became a high school coach and a gymnastics teacher. Yeah. How, lo- how long did you do that before you were like, ah, I want to be a doctor? Uh, about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Not very long. <laughs> And so at that point, you went back to school to get your doctor degree? I, uh, there were a lot of science requirements that you don't have to do if you're a physical education major. I would imagine. So you need to teach. And I went to school at night to take organic chemistry and biochemistry and the other requirements. Mm-hmm. Took a couple of years to get all of the requirements done working during the day and going to school at night. And yeah. then I medical school and here I am. Yeah. And I think that, so I, I had an idea of, I didn't know the details, but I did have an idea that your, your journey to medical school wasn't, uh, the, you know, pre-planned. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it was, you know, this, and most of the listeners know that as a triathlete, we have to juggle a lot of things. We have to manage our time very well. And it sounds like even back then you were working full time, going to school at night, you were probably being pulled in a lot of different directions. And it probably took a lot of discipline, right? A lot of mental strength, a lot of uh, commitment to see that through, which is something that we deal with as triathletes, Right. Yeah, I think uh, that the mental game is 90% of it, for sure. It's setting a goal, saying, I can do this, and I am going to do it, and then following through instead of, you know, coming up with excuses like, I don't have time to do that, I don't have time to do this. You make time for the things that you really want to do. Yep, that's definitely true. Okay, so you you've shared with us already that you are, um, you still, you're still, uh, I guess, is it, pra- is it practicing the right term uh, for in the medical industry or you're still working, but you're starting to taper maybe down a little bit, but how are you, how are you fitting training into your work schedule? Cause that's something I've all, I'm always interested in is how everybody manages their time and stuff. Well, we do shift work. And so I don't have a regular schedule. Some days I might work at 7 p.m. Another mm-hmm. day, I might need to go in at 4 a.m. I might work Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, like I'm working this weekend and have 
off during the weekday. Uh, I do have a coach and he works with me to juggle things. Like I'm going to do my long bike ride tomorrow on Thursday afternoon after I work all night tonight. I'll sleep and then I'll get up in the afternoon when it's 100 degrees Mm. and go out and do my three and a half hour bike ride because it's the only day that I have available this week to get in that long of a workout. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to ask, I have, there's a couple questions I have based on that. So you have a, you have a, you have a coach. And so do you, do you, uh, communicate with your coach in person or is it, or is your coach more virtual through training peaks or something along those lines? Like how does your coach give you your workout for the week? I have a local coach and we will usually get together in person once a month and talk about goals and what's happening in my life and what I want to do next. And um, then uh, he puts my workouts in training peaks Mm -hmm. and we've been working together long enough that he knows that I'm going to get everything done. It just may not be exactly the way he has it put in there so we just uh he just says uh, you know here's your rest day on monday but move it around as you need it and then at the end i'll you know tell him okay i just was not able to do such and such but almost all the time i get at least 95 percent of my workouts done gotcha so he there's some flexibility in the, the days that you do your workouts, but at the end of the day, you manage to get all this stuff done. I like the fact that you still get to visit with your coach in person. Um, there, a lot of the, a lot of the athletes that I've, that I've spoken to that have coaches they're you know, they're not even in the same city necessarily. There's some virtual coaching going on and things like that. Um, it's kind of cool that you still get to see yours, uh, at least once a month in person. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And he, um, he has, uh, access to a 25 yard pool and uh, does a swim run workout every week on Wednesday evening. So that's fun to go to as a, oh, it's, it's, nice. we call it splash and dash. Oh, nice. That is awesome. That is awesome. Okay. So the other question that I had based on the answer you gave me a second ago was you're going to do your long bike ride uh, this week. Are you doing it outside? Yes. <laughs> you didn't sound too excited about that. So do you, do you do it? Are you not a, um, uh, do you do any train, train, uh, bike rides on a trainer or are you just a purist? And you're like, I'm outside. I want to feel the wind of my hair and the sun on my skin. Like what's your, what, what where, where do you stand or sit on that uh, issue? I probably do 75% of my rides indoors on okay. my Peloton. Oh, you have a Peloton. Okay. Makes yeah. sense. Okay. Okay. Cause it's come up on, it's come up on my podcast before. Um, I do the majority of my bike training indoors. Um, it's just, it's just in my opinion, and this is, uh, it is what it is. It's just my opinion, not the opinion of anybody else. Um, it's too dangerous outdoors. Uh, you know, the cars, traffic, the, you know, whatever. And so I know that we need the outdoor, the bike handling skills and stuff like that. So, you know, before an actual event, I will make sure to get outdoors, but for quote unquote training purposes, I do a lot of mine indoors. So I'm always interested to know what others are doing. I I'm with you there. I, I mean, I have a friend that just yesterday got almost clipped by a truck 
riding through the park. And, you know, it's a closed road. There wasn't any other traffic. Um, so, yes, I, I do most of mine indoors, but I do try to get a long ride in occasionally outdoors. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so we, we, we know that you had a gymnastics background, so you didn't have a traditional, I was a, I was a high school swimmer or I was on the track team or I grew up, uh, riding bikes type thing. So of the three disciplines, the swim, bike, run, which one are you the most comfortable with currently? I would say that the swim is really easy for me and I don't have a background. I'm just kind of a natural swimmer. Okay. I love the bike, but I'm not strong on the bike and the run for your listeners that are older. It's, um, they will all understand the knees just Mm. don't like to run anymore. And uh, I do have, uh, bone on bone osteoarthritis in my left knee. So it can oh, be a little no. pain. So I'm slow running. Uh, I love the bike, but the swim is probably my best event. Okay. So when you look back at your, your, your training volume because of your, uh, your knee, do you spend an, an equal amount of time training for the, this, the, the three disciplines, or do you maybe do more swimming to get your, uh, condition in? Because I heard the other day I was listening to another podcast because I listen to other podcasts and the, the coach Robbie said, you know, you can get your conditioning in the water, right? Especially, you know, if it's a hot day, you know, you don't have to always be running. You can build up your, you know, your stamina and all that. Do you, how, how do you combat your, your run training knowing that your knee is something that you need to be careful of? I do mostly biking and get my conditioning in on the bike. And then after just about every cycling workout, I will do 10 minutes or 15 minutes of a run. So just a, uh, just a brief run off the bike for just running conditioning. And then, I do a lot of my running on an elliptigo. Do you know what that is? I do. I do. Yes. So I I have found that if I save my real running for just doing um, an occasional run on my feet to get the conditioning in on my legs, that uh, the elliptigo has worked really well for me. Gotcha. That makes total sense. And this is an audio podcast. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, help the listener through this. When you started to say 10 or 15 minute run off the bike, it was, it was a pause followed by an almost cringe in your face as you were like, <laughs> as like, I could imagine you were imagining that run off the bike and you're like, uh, 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with you. I am so tracking with you. Um, yeah, I think the, so I don't have access to an elliptigo. I do know somebody who owns one, but when I was dealing with, uh, my ankle injury, I did a lot of my run training on an elliptical at the gym because I did have access to that. And while it's not the same thing, it's pretty close. And I felt like it it enabled me to keep my run fitness. So I didn't use the handles. I just kind of held on to or or made sure I was kind of balancing myself on the stabilizer bars. 
so I totally understand how um, uh, that would be a uh, a suitable replacement and and not as hard on your uh, on your knee. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It saves the joints, but it gives you time on your feet and the aerobic workout. And I, uh, you know, being an older athlete, um, I really don't tolerate the heat very well, and so I can spend a lot more time on my feet on the elliptigo with a lower heart rate than just getting out and running. Gotcha. It really so being, being a, uh, being in the medical profession, um, I would assume that you've gone to somebody and you've had your knee looked at and all that. Uh, there's all kinds of, you know, every, it seems like every day there's new advancements in this or that. Is there any physical therapy or is there any, um, treatment short of like something super extreme that you've considered for that? I have had uh, steroid injections in the knee, and that will usually help for a few weeks. And then I've twice had the platelet-rich plasma and uh, Synvisc uh, injections in my knee, and they have been pretty helpful. Uh, the first time it lasted over a year, and then the second time I had it done, it just lasted a couple of months so mm. the next step is a knee replacement and I'm not ready for that. I understand. And that's why I was curious. My mother-in-law has had that done and, and I, I was surprised now she's not, she didn't uh, win her age group at the European championships, but <laughs> she did recover pretty quickly and is getting around uh, pretty, pretty well. So I was just curious. Okay. So I think we've, I think we've done a good job of establishing who you are, where you are in life, and and what your backstory is. So now I want to get into Germany. You ready to talk about Germany? Sure. Okay. So my first question is, uh, because I am unfamiliar and I apologize, but how did you come to race in Germany? So you, Ger the, the race in Germany was listed as the European Championships, right? And so I know that here in North America, we have the North American Championships and it's open registration. Was the European Championships open res re uh, registration as well? Or did you have to meet or uh, did you have qualify? Or how, how, did you, how did you come to race the European Championships? All right. So the the whole story is that my one of my daughters and son in law lived in Germany, and so okay. I would sign up for a race in Europe every summer, and then we would have a vacation with them. And I signed up for this race based on my Goldilocks principle of the swim is not too cold, the bike is not too hilly, and the run is not too hot. And I signed okay. up for it for June of 2020, and it oh. happened. And in the meantime, okay. my daughter and son-in-law got transferred back to the state, so they weren't even living in Germany. But uh, it oh, no. was it was open registration. It was the pro European Championship for the women. So they had women pros, mm -hmm. not any men pros. Gotcha. So, and and I, you and I connected right before your race, and so I actually tracked you through the <laughs> Ironman track tracker, which was super fun because from and it's it's been a couple of weeks, obviously, but it seems like you raced in the middle of my night at some point. I think you started at 
maybe two o'clock in the morning or something, you know, Dallas time. And then you finished up during the day or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it worked. It's been just about midnight here. But I do remember at one point my wife saying, because my phone's on my nightstand, and while I have it on silent, it would light up every time you would cross a <laughs> checkpoint. And she, at one point, she's like, "Can you can you turn that off? Like, because the the whole room would light up when the, when you would cross a certain point, right?" And so I finally had to flip it over. But um, yeah, and so I knew that it was um, the woman's pro race. Were there age group males? Yes racing as well that I don't remember. Okay. So there were age group males, uh, and then, uh, age group females and then pro females. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. And so, um, did you go over with your husband who all traveled with you to Germany? Cause you were there. You didn't just fly in for the race and leave. You were there for a little while, weren't you? I invited my daughter that had lived in Germany to go with me and, Okay. Uh, so we went, she was able to visit her friends there and then I did the race and then she and I had a vacation. So that's nice. Did you stay there in Germany for your vacation the time after, or did you travel any, did you do a little bit of Europe, see a little bit more of Europe while you were there? We started in Frankfurt, then went to Hamburg, then to Amsterdam, then to Paris, then out to Normandy. Yeah, we, so yes, we went everywhere. <laughs> you saw it all. That's, that is awesome. That is awesome. And so this wasn't your first European race. No, I've done many. Okay. Many, many, many. How do you, and I don't want to know what bike you have yet. Cause we haven't, we, 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 <laughs> we get to that at the end, but, but, but how do you, do you, how do you get your bike to Europe? Do you take it with you? Do you have a bike case? Do you use a service? Do you rent a bike when you get there? Like, how do you manage that? If tri bike transport is available, I will use it, but it, they don't go to every race in Europe. It's just a pain in the neck okay. to have to carry your bike around on a vacation. But this time uh, I took it and we got it on and off two airplanes, six train rides and uh, yeah, all over Europe. So you carried it with you the rest of the way. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so funny because I didn't think about that. Uh, so full disclosure, uh, I have not signed up yet because they have an open registration, but I have already publicly announced that I'm going to race Ironman 70.3 Salem, Oregon next summer. Okay. And it's my wife and I's, I don't know if that's proper English. We, my wife and I are celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary and she's always wanted to go on an Alaskan cruise. And so if everything lines up, it looks like there will be a cruise that leaves on the Tuesday after the race and we could go on the cruise. So I, I was telling her about it. She's like, well, what are you going to do with your bike? You can't take your bike on the cruise. And so I was like, well, I have to figure that out. I have to think that through. Right. So you actually took your bike with you the rest of the way. Yes. Mm. You look almost excited about that as you did that 10 or 15 minute uh, run off the bike a second ago. It, it's, uh, it's, the case that I have now is pretty large and a lot of the European taxis are very small and oh. so it was, it was difficult. And then we uh, traveled mostly by train. And so you have to get the bicycle on and off the train and that's going up steps and then oh. shooting it down a narrow aisle and then finding a place where you can leave it that it's not in the aisle. It was, it was a lot of work. 
I really so that. Would you do it again? Would you do? I mean, you didn't have a choice. Trap, yeah. trap uh They didn't have a, a solution, but it, knowing what you know now, because that's what happens to me in life. I'm like, oh, I could have done it differently. Is there a, is there another option that you would have chosen? Well, if um, we had had the we we flew in and out of Frankfurt, so if I had been able to go back to Frankfurt without wasting a whole day of travel time, I would have left it at the hotel in in Frankfurt where we go, where we were going to stay the night before we left. But gotcha. since we did not have that opportunity, I had to take it with me. It, it was a lot safer on the train than on the plane because it was in my possession. So yeah, that was okay. And I had my daughter to help me and I have, done done it this way several times it's just not ideal but it's doable gotcha yeah i I wondered the same thing i thought well we're gonna fly out of seattle i wonder if i could rent a locker at the airport or something and stuff it in there before we got on the cruise cruise ship or if i could leave it with somebody but i'll figure it out i was just curious how you handled yours i I like to i like to steal advice from (laughs) other people uh on how they do things if you're coming back to the same place you might be able to leave it at the hotel in their in their yeah. bag room and on the other hand the cruise line may have a place where you can put your ice oh, on the yeah. ship what would be really nice if if they would agree to that and then i could bring my trainer with me uh, as well and then i could just get in a bike i could get a bike workout on the lido deck right while the <laughs> whales are are doing whatever they do off in the distance that'd be that'd make some pretty good instagram pictures i'm pretty sure you know ships have pelotons so yeah well i so i just got off a cruise uh actually sunday uh, we went on an eight-day cruise uh we didn't have pelotons we did have spin bikes but i didn't i didn't take spin class they didn't have them in the fitness area to where you could just go in and i actually brought my spin shoes with me that have the universal clips but they, it didn't look like it was going to be an easy thing to do. So I, I didn't do that uh, the eight days. It was weird. I haven't ridden a bike in a while. All right. So I mentioned, and you didn't, and you didn't disagree with me uh, because it is facts. You won your age group at the European Championships, <laughs> right? Last year, or maybe it was the year before, the pandemic kind of messes with your mind. I had trained for Ironman Arizona. It got canceled 10 days before the race. And so I just, Cozumel was the same day. So I just went to Cozumel with 10 days notice so I could race because I'd been training during the pandemic for so long. And I was the only person in my age group. So I got a Kona spot for this year. And so <laughs> the Hamburg race was supposed to be before that even, and it had been deferred uh, five times. So this this race was just going to be for fun. So I didn't really uh, have any specific need to place. I just, I had a, I was, I wanted to try for a PR. So I already had a Kona spot and um, there were four women in my age group and one did not show up, and so I met the other two. One was from Japan, and one was from Germany, and I told them both that I had already qualified, so please for them to go for the Kona spot, 
and I was just kind of focused on getting a PR. I had a great swim. I had a pretty good bike, and but the transitions were extremely long there. Uh, the, mm. It was uh, a half a mile from the swim exit to where my bike was. And yeah. they have no um, uh, wetsuit strippers usually in Europe, and they have nobody to help you in the changing tent. So, you know, you have to do a short yoga session to get your wetsuit off. <laughs> then I had a, you know, basically a half a mile warm-up run to my bike. It's just, it just took 16 minutes to get through transition. And so I thought, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get a PR here. I started the run. It was 88 degrees. It, and I said, you know, I don't need to stress my knee out for, yeah. I'm just going to walk. And uh-huh. so I walked, I jogged, I met some people. I had a really good time on the run. I was having a great day. It was just a fantastic day. And then the uh, time cutoff for this race was 15 hours and 30 minutes. It's uh, uh, In Europe, a lot of them are less than 17 hours. Most of them are less than 17 <laughs> hours. But the- Really? The run was uh, four loops, and I got to the turnaround for the last loop and looked at my watch and said, oh, my gosh, if I don't run here, I might not make the 15-hour and 30-minute cutoff. So I started running, and um, I ended up, I think, at 15 hours and 20 minutes and uh, beat the second-place woman by four minutes. So, yay. Wow. So, so first of all, I did not know, and that doesn't seem fair that they only get 15 hours and 30 minutes in Europe, um, to complete the race whereas we get 17 hours. That doesn't seem like the right thing to do. I don't, I'd have to dig into that, why that is, but, um, a lot of them have different, very different time cutoffs. I, I guess it just depends on the community. I've done a couple that had 16 hours and 20 minutes or one with 16 hours and 20 minutes. And they're, they're all just different. I haven't done a single one that had a 17 hour time cutoff. Huh? Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. So you learn something new every day. Um, did you go to the awards? Did you go to awards? I did. So, so they're like, you're like, they call your name and they're like, okay, Kona. You're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You already got your Kona spot, right? So the, um, the guy that announces races in Europe, I had met a couple of times and, uh, talked about him with my friends and I called him the Mike Riley of Europe because I (laughs) name. And so, uh, I, after the, the welcome dinner, this time I went and introduced myself to him and uh, we talked for quite a while and his name is Paul K. So I said, okay, now I'm going to call Mike Riley, the Paul K of the United States. Nice. Uh, but so, so he already knew who I was and he knew that I had qualified for Kona already. And when I came over the finish line, he made a really big deal about it. Um, I was one of the last finishers because there was just 10 minutes left before the time cut off. And yeah. uh, he talked about me to the crowd and they did a little video. I don't even know what that was for. Uh, oh, funny. It was, uh, it was pretty, it was fun. Yeah. You could be, you could be YouTube famous by now. We don't even know. In Europe. We need to do some, re- we need to, yeah, we need to do some, we need to do some research. Um, so you qualified and so you're racing Kona this year. So in, is it, uh, November? October. 
October. So you're going? Yes. You got your travel booked and everything, got your hotel picked out, you got your flight reserved, the whole deal? It's all ready. Good for you. See, now you're smiling. We're not, you're not making the same face that you made a second ago when we were talking about dragging your, your bike around Europe or that 10 minute run. Now you're smiling ear to ear. That is awesome. Have you ever, have you raced Kona before? This will be my second time. Nice. Oh my gosh. That is awesome. So, okay. So I do have to ask this question and I might have to edit it out depending on your answer. Uh, did you finish it the first time? I did. Okay, perfect, perfect. Because I've heard that you know it's there are tough conditions and they don't have a super high uh, completion rate uh, because of the heat and the you know the conditions and stuff like that. So uh, good for you. I was really worried the first time and very anxious about it, and uh, I really, really wanted to finish, but. I was not sure with those conditions and the, the bike course if I would be able to do it. And I finished it. So this time I'm going in with a completely different attitude. I've I've done Kona before. I'm going to enjoy the whole experience, go yeah. to all the extra things and just enjoy my, my time in Kona and the experience. So when did you race Kona the first time? Um, 2019. Okay. So you, do you still have pretty vivid memories of it? Oh, yes. Okay. So let me ask you a question because I've, I've had one or two uh, guests on that have raced Kona. And I don't remember if I asked this question. So I apologize to the audience if I already have. You know, when you watch the YouTube videos, there's always these just gorgeous, gorgeous videos. I mean, Hawaii, I've never been, but it's just a beautiful place, right? But there's a couple of videos that contain uh, a, a, a video clip of the swim start from from the water looking up. And it just, you, you, you can see the swimmers, uh, they, know, they look like they're 20 feet away and it's just the water so clear and there's like a sea turtle swimming by and all that. Like, is the, what is the, what is the swim like? You said you were comfortable in the water. What is the swim like in Kona? It is beautiful fantastic. I had a great swim, one of the best uh, Ironman swims of my career. And the water is just that clear. It's, uh, and, and the beach is open, so you can swim there. Everybody can swim there in the days leading up to the race. So okay. my friends and my husband and I had been swimming out there every day in that beautiful, clear water, seeing the sea turtles and the, the fish. Nice. Oh. And they, they have a a coffee boat out in the uh, in the bay area there, and you can swim out to the coffee boat and get a cup of coffee, and uh, yeah, get your picture made out there. They oh, have wow! Really fun. That is awesome. That is awesome. So um, I know that you just came back from a two week vacation in Europe, but uh, I would imagine that you're not flying in and out of Hawaii just for the race. Uh, how long are you going to be there? How long are you going to be in Hawaii? 10 days. Ooh, 10 days. And so how many days before, how many days after? What's, uh, what's the split? Just, uh, you know, ballpark. I think the race this year is split. Uh, the women and some of the men race on Thursday and then the rest of the men race on Saturday. So I think we're coming back Sunday, three days after the race and okay. going Thursday beforehand. And I'm traveling with a 
a group, uh, it's called Endurance Sports Travel, and they they arrange for you to have a, the opportunity to do the uh, part of the bike ride and run out on the uh, the energy lab, okay. and you take the bike up to Javi to do the Javi climb. So we're going to do that before the race. And, gotcha. um, yeah. And then whatever we want to do. Nice. Yeah. I, I do remember when you say that, I do remember that they had, uh, I don't want to say an odd, but, uh, a race schedule that was different than I expected to where age group men are not racing on the same day, depending on your group. You, they're actually split the age group men over two days or something like that. It seemed a little peculiar to me, but I think it's just, they're trying to get as many, they're trying to balance the course out as best they can. I would imagine. Yeah. I think, uh, with the race being canceled and people were given the opportunity of doing St. George or Kona, they had so many this year that they're trying this. I will see how it works. And I'm wondering if how Mike Riley's voice is going to hold up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Of announcing, maybe I'll have Paul K come and uh, <laughs> <laughs> them be together. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Wow. So if you hadn't been registered and felt fairly confident that you were going to do the European race in Germany, would you have elected to go to St. George if, if you had been given the, if given the opportunity? I, since I was all world athlete gold, they gave me the opportunity of doing both. And mm. I, uh, I did St. George, the 70.3 world championships there. And I, I just didn't want to overload my schedule this year with another Ironman. I, I'm already gotcha. doing three this year. So yeah, it sounds like you got a lot on your plate. How's your, uh, how's your significant other? I lost <laughs> you for a second. My significant other has done a few triathlons, but he does definitely does not have the disease that I have. <laughs> um, we've got an 18 year old Jack Russell uh, terrier that it's just hard to leave him in the kennel for extended yeah. vacation. So usually he stays home and uh, I travel with some of my friends that have the same disease that I do. Oh, so he's not going to Hawaii with you? Uh, not this time. He did last time. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. He's allowed. All right. Well, of course he's allowed to come. I was just curious. Well, uh, man, we've, this has been fun. This has been fun. Uh, I, I, and I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way. Uh, you, you've been in triathlon now for eight years. So you got started, you were in the 60 to 64 age group when you started, right? Yes. Did you see... Um, have you seen a decline in the number of participants in your age group over the years, or do you think there's, it's fairly consistent, like the people that the number of athletes you're competing against? Um, I, I think it's gone up. I think there really? are, and I will tell you again, going back to the title nine, when it got passed in 1972, um, you know, four years later, when I started teaching physical education, I saw such a big change in the number of girls that were participating in sports. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in high school, 69 to 72, very few girls uh, participated in sports and there were very few sports available to them. And then all of the high schools had to start um, girls programs because now the colleges had to have 
women's sports. And so they needed the high schools to feed in. And so by the time I graduated from college in 1976 and started teaching, I the growth in women's in girls sports had just it, it was just unbelievable just how many more girls were participating. Plus, I think the 1972 Olympics, there was a gymnast named Olga Corbett that caught the world's attention. And um, I think that was the year that Bruce Jenner uh, was in there. And there were, there were some swimmers and the Olympics were televised and it was just uh, unbelievable the sea change in girls sports between 72 and 76 so now my age group is still pretty small but behind me the age group behind me is incredibly much larger because those are women who started in sports when they were girls and they much more opportunity to participate so right now this 64 age group is really large the 65 69 those of us that graduated in 72 or earlier it's still pretty small gotcha well while that is good news i am a little disappointed because part of me thought that i could just wait everybody out and <laughs> if i could if, and if i could somehow manage to stay healthy i could just <laughs> wait everybody out and eventually i would get to a point where i'm the only person in my age group and i didn't have to worry about competing against anybody and then i could get i could get my i could get my world championship spot so um you're, you're telling me that that may not be a solid strategy that I might actually have to put in the work and get faster uh, if I want to get there. I don't think the guys have, have any age. Um, <laughs> uh, like there's still men in their seventies that are running, you know, I know on in under four hours and I, yeah, you're, it's crazy. You're- <laughs> I'm out of luck. That's funny. That I is just, funny. I- uh, you know, um, uh, as long as you avoid knee replacement, you have a chance of getting on the podium if you're a woman. But I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to. I'm just got to work harder and get faster. I mean, that's just that's just. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. Well, you have been. You've been a lot of fun to talk to, and I want to. I want to be respectful of your time, but I do want to know before we before we start our taper down into closeout is what kind of bike were you dragging around Europe with you? I have a Cervelo P3 and Ooh. it's, um, I, I can't remember if it's a 2015, uh, but it's the last year that they made a 45 centimeter frame and, oh. um, they don't make them that little anymore and I'm pretty short and I love my bike. So it's, uh, they, at the bike shop, they fix it up with DI2 components. So I have electronics nice. and it fits me really well. And, I probably never, never get a different bike. Never giving it up. Nice. That, so does it, does it run uh six, six fifty wheels? Yes. So it does, which those are getting harder to find too. I've yeah. heard. Yes. Wow. You bet. You might want to stock up, uh, buy a couple I extra have. sets now. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So do you, and, and I know that none of us know what tomorrow is going to bring, of course, but is this something that you see yourself or you would like to see yourself competing for several years to come? Or are you, or, or do you see a, a, a time where you're like, yeah, I've been to Kona, I've been to Europe, I've done all these things. 
like, have you thought about that? All right. So every time I do an Ironman, I say, all right, this is the last year I'm going to do Ironman. I'm just going to do 70.3s from now on. And then I sign up for another Ironman. So I, uh, I am going to do Ironman Arizona after Kona this year because I love Ironman Arizona and I've done it four times. And uh, I say that's going to be my last full Ironman. I would love to get more into the mentoring new athletes and um, good for you helping helping new people, especially uh, older women, get into the sport. Yeah, comfortable with it. And I kind of know myself, and I'm pretty sure I'll sign up for another Ironman. But um, I don't really want to work that hard anymore and spend that much time training away from my family. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, uh, well, first of all, I think, you know, giving back, uh, you know, if you had the opportunity to give back and introduce new people to the sport, that's, that's so admirable. Of course. Um, I have found that the 70.3 is so much easier, obviously than the Ironman, but what's easier than that is um, you just start a podcast and then you can just talk about it all the time and you don't have to actually do any work, right? And it's really, it's really easy on the body too. Uh, by the way, right? My knees are feeling good right now. I'm sitting in my chair. I'm, I'm doing well. Um, so just, I'm just telling you there's options out there, uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to think about it. So now, now I'm embarrassed because I should have asked this way earlier in the conversation, but I didn't. How many Ironman races have you completed? Ten. Wow. So you're only two away from a legacy anyway. And you could you could just ride the you could just coattail that dude right into a, a third without even without even winning your age group. All right. So going back to the very beginning of this podcast when we were talking about how I went to medical school and the how the mind and the body have to be prepared to do all of this stuff. I tell people that for me, an Ironman is like a long, easy swim followed by a shift in the ER in which nobody dies. You just have to <laughs> under the other until you're done. That's funny. And you know, um, I think wow. the, the late finishers of the Ironman race are, it's just, they are my heroes because Yes. Do anything for eight hours. But when you're getting into 15 hours, 16 hours, and you've been on your feet all that time and in your mind all day long, just to keep going at that point is so, it, it takes so much self-control and so much discipline to, to continue to go. If you think you're going to be done in eight hours or 10 hours, that's that's hard. It's, it's really hard on your body, but your, your brain has to work so much longer and so much harder when you're uh, a late finisher. Yeah, there is, there is no doubt that that is something that doesn't, uh, that doesn't, it isn't talked about enough, or we don't bring enough attention to it is the fact that, um, finishing late in a race there has to be so many opportunities where it could have been easy to justify just quitting for whatever reason. And the mental strength yes. and the commitment that it takes to push past those things. Like 
I mean, obviously to, to, to have a, to have a PR and everybody talks about a PR, it's incredible. And I think that's a, that's a, a you know, a, an indication of your physical fitness and a lot of things have to go right. A lot of things have yeah. to go right in your race to hit your PR, right? Cause the, cause so many things can go wrong, but I think you're exactly right. Those, those late evening or into the race finishers, they could have easily given up, but the the mental strength and the commitment and the perse- perseverance and the, and the and the pain that they endured to get to that finish line, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, I I took fourteen hours and fifty minutes to finish my Ironman race, so I was middle of the pack. I didn't have a, I was nowhere near a Kona slot, but I also wasn't near seventeen. Now I did want to quit. Don't get me wrong. I was about mile 21 and I was like, you know what? No one's going to care. I can quit now. It's not a big deal. But I don't think I would, I don't, I don't want to say that I was in that same category of where I really pushed through all of the mental obstacles that somebody who, that, that those that finished behind me had to finish. So my hat's off to those finishers for sure. For sure. Well, normally as we wrap things up, I ask my guests to provide any last words of wisdom or encouragement, but you've shared so much. I don't know if you have it. I mean, do you have anything else uh, left that you could, that you could share with the listeners? I I just want to go back again to the mindset of, you know, people saying, I can't do that. I don't think I can do that. If you tell yourself you can't do it, you can't. If you tell yourself you can, you can just, be confident in yourself, be positive and go out there and get it done. And if you don't finish, it's not like, um, you know, they're not going to let you continue with your race again. Just, yeah. just a race. It's just a race. Yeah. It's just a race. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're exactly right. Like we, we, I, and I don't want to project, but I spent a lot of time plotting, planning, scheming and scamming and training and all this. But at the end of the day, it's just a race. You're exactly right. Last year when I did um, Ironman Arizona, I fell on the run at about mile eight and I landed on my fist on my chest and I broke a couple of ribs. Um, I was going to quit. I, but I still had to walk about a mile and a half back to the transition area. It was a three loop course. And Mm -hmm. uh, I said, yep, I don't, I'm just going to quit. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm really hurting. And a friend came up behind me and she said, Carrie, you're limping. Is something wrong? And I said, well, I think I broke a couple of ribs. I'm having a hard time breathing and um, I'm just going to get to the, to the transition and go to the medical tent and she gave me some Tylenol. She said, I'll walk with you back all the way. And we got close to the transition area and she said, you know, we have plenty of time. I'm going to walk with you. Let's, let's just, why don't you try and do another loop? I said, no, I don't want to. She said, yes, come on, on, you can do it. And so I walked 17 miles and finished Ironman Arizona with two broken ribs and wow, I, I mean, I, I really was planning to quit and it was her encouragement and my own tenacity and 
<laughs> just said, okay, I'm, I, I'm going to do it. But that was a long, long, long walk. And, um, it, it, it was, it hurt a little bit. I mean, I was in pain, but it was definitely a mental exercise more than a physical exercise. Yeah. Oh, I bet. It sounds like it. And and I think, I think Jim Risto way back when on episode three was the first person to tell me that the, the hardest distance in the Ironman is the, the distance between <laughs> your two ears. Right. Right. It's that, it's that mental component that, that we constantly have to battle, but good, good for you for being able to, and, and good for your friend for, for being encouraging yes. and to her race to walk with me. Yeah. Good for her. Good for her. Well, Dr. Carey, if I can call you Dr. Carey, um, you have been fun to talk to. I, I appreciate you, uh, you taking some time out of your day. Um, I know that you have a busy, hectic schedule, um, but to share your experience with me and my listeners, uh, I can't thank you enough. Um, I will definitely be tracking you, uh, on, uh, race day for Kona and Arizona. <laughs> Arizona too, but definitely on Kona because it'll be regular time and my wife won't be upset because the, the light will be dinging on the phone. But I, I wish you uh, all the success uh, coming forward. And I hope that your three and a half hour trainer or outdoor ride this week isn't uh, isn't too hot. Well, it uh, looks like it's going to be 100. So maybe it won't be well, more. Yeah, maybe it'll cool down a little bit. It'll be in the, in the, uh, the high 90s. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions, advice that you would like to share, or would like to be a guest on the show and share your story, you can email everydayironmanpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow on Instagram at everydayironmanpodcast. Until next time, keep moving forward.